Good evening, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you, it's Wednesday. It is our study time. We are in week five of Holier Than Thou. This is actually the last session of this particular uh, study that I had picked out. I'm I'm not real sure where we're going to go. I've got a couple other ones I want to look at. Um, I'll have something ready for us next week, no matter what. But with that in mind, this is the last one of Holier Than Thou. This will be week five. Our subtitle tonight is Our Holy God and King. Have you ever, and I know we talk about holiness quite a bit. We talk about God being holy. Have you ever really considered uh, the fact that God is holiness? I mean, he, he is the representation of holiness. And that also he's our king. He, he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the God of all creation. He is the I am uh, man, I mean, there's so many things to, to put into that, that that really make you think about what it is our God really consists of. Since God is light, God has no darkness, no evil within him, no blemished heart or unclean hands. His thoughts are always good and his motives are always pure. God is the resemblance of holiness. He is uh, the, the definition of holiness. He is all that there is to do with holiness is he's pure. A.W. Tozer, commenting on God's holiness, says this, He is absolutely holy with an infinite, incomprehensible fullness of purity that is incapable of being other than it is. That's a mouthful. God is incapable of being anything other than what he is, a holy God. He can't be anything else because he is. He is God. He is holy. In the morning, when the sun stands up and shines on your part of the world, look towards it, if you can, and know that the holy God is more brilliant than the sun. You ever driven into the sun? <laughs> you, ever, you ever had to, to, to hold your hand up and glint into the sun? Think about that, that God is actually more brilliant than that. I mean, we can't look upon him in our physical being. It, it, it can't happen. Um, the radiant, incandescent light beaming forth from God's being has an illuminating effect. Right? I mean, think about, remember Moses? He, he went up on the mountain to be with God. He was in God's presence. He said, God, I want to see you. God says, you can't see me. You'd surely die. Our physical being isn't capable of, of, of being in that realm. Uh, so God put him in the cleft of the rock, and he covered him with his hand as he walked by. But what happened with Moses? He came down that mountain glowing like a light bulb. Scared everybody. They, they made him wear a, a, hood, a hood. They made him wear a veil because he was glowing from the presence of God, being in the presence of God. That, that's the brilliance that our God actually has. As it was or is with any source of light, it removes all shadows. It points to what was hiding behind it. It tattles on the dark, and it makes it acknowledge the secrets it couldn't keep. Light dispels darkness. Darkness can't have any effect on light. I love using the analogy of going up to an old building. Used to, you know, when you went to church at night, back in the days when we actually had windows in our churches. You know, we don't have windows in our churches anymore. Why is that? But when we had windows in our churches, when you would drive up at night, there was always something that really intrigued me. Because, you know, as kids, we used to play around the church at night after service, you know, right? playing hide-go-seek, whatever. But what always enthralled me was the fact that those beams of light were always coming out into the darkness. 
Now, if you went into the church, there was never a time that the shadow of darkness was ever penetrating into that lit building. It can't happen. It's not scientifically possible. It's not godly possible. Light always penetrates darkness. Light always dispels darkness. I threw that in for free. I won't charge you for that. Anyone that loves evil hates light because it always exposes the darkness. It always tattles on the darkness. It always points to everything that's going on in the darkness. It exposes it all. In John chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, For every wrongdoer hates the light and does not come to the light, but shrinks from it for fear that his sinful worthlessness or his sinful worthless activities will be exposed and condemned. Light exposes sin. The light of God will always illuminate darkness. Isaiah did neither. Uh, I'm sorry, let me get back up here a minute. The contemporary man keeps his Bible closed in an attempt to quench its light. They don't want to open the Bible because when you open the Bible, it expresses light. It it drives out darkness. Others manufacture half-truths about God or refuse orthodoxy as a way to keep the sun, S-O-N, out. Isaiah did neither. He couldn't even if he tried, when by the throne of the Holy One, the supreme virtue of his very being forced everything in Isaiah that didn't look like God to come out of hiding. Wow. This is Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, we're provided with a vision of God that sets the table for our holy communion with him. Isaiah 6, 1 through 7, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw in a vision the Lord sitting on a throne, high and exalted, with the train of his royal robe filling the most holy part of the temple. Above him, seraphim, heavenly beings, stood. Each one had six wings, with two wings that he covered his face, with two wings he covered his feet, and with two wings he flew. And one called out to the other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, and the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of ceremonial unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. Isaiah had seen the King in his vision. In verse 6, it goes on to say this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Listen carefully. This has touched your lips. Your wickedness, your sin, your injustice, your wrongdoing is taken away, and your sin atoned for and forgiven. In the presence of holiness, in the presence of God himself, Isaiah saw everything about him that was unclean. And he was disturbed by it. He was, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I can't, I'm not pure. I can't stand in this holiness. That, that's what it's like to be in the very presence of God. It's going to reveal any speck of darkness that's within us. It, it'll expose it so that we can clean house, so that we can exhibit a, a way just like he did. That angel touched him and said, now you're clean. Your sins have been atoned for. His holiness is both his trans, transcendence and his moral purity, both his incredible value over and above all things, and his unrevocable commitment to be to to the honoring of his name. 
There, everything about God is holy. It's pure. There, there's a purity about it. There's a holiness about it. And, and it's an honoring of his name in everything that we do. Holy, holy, holy. God is holy. We can't esteem him in any other way than that. A Lord that uses his power for good, a king without blemish, one on a throne independent of time. He is high and lifted up and yet holy enough to humble himself to death, rising again to sit in his rightful place where the creatures sing what is true about him, Revelation 4.8. Even in the midst of God's holiness, he became man. He allowed himself to step down from that throne. God being God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So he was here on earth with us in our realm. He stepped away from that holiness, that, that purity, and he took on our sin. What, a, what an incredible thing. He uses his power for good without blemish. Jesus never sinned the whole time he was here. Through him we've received a kingdom that can't be shaken. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 through 28, it says this, So it so to it that you do not refuse to listen to him who is speaking to you now. For if those sons of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to him who warned them on earth, revealing God's will, how much less will we escape if we turn our backs on him who warns from heaven? His voice shook the earth at Mount Sinai. And then, but now he has given a promise saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the starry heaven. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the removal and final transformation of all those things which can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude to offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. God's kingdom can't be shaken. He's going to shake the earth. He's going to shake the heavens. But his kingdom, his kingdom is unshakable. It's untarnished. It's unblemished. It's pure. It's holy because it's his kingdom. He's inviting us to join him in his kingdom. But he says that we are to be holy because he is holy. We've got to be pure because he is pure. We're not going to reach that purity until we, until we meet him face to face in glory. But until then, we've got to strive towards that. We've got to work towards our holiness Remember how the Bible says we're to work out our salvation daily. It's that process word. It's it's that ongoing event that we've been talking about. Uh, that word believes in John three sixteen is a process. It's an ongoing thing. It's not a happened once. It's not a it already happened and I don't need to do it again. No, it's a process. It's an ongoing thing of believing in Him, following Him, pursuing Him. When we fail of repenting of our sin, when we fall, getting up and cleaning ourselves off before Him, so that we may continue on our journey. Coming to him, we have met with God. By, by coming to him, we've, we've met with God. And, and now know that we might not have known what we might not have known before, that God is holy, and that we can be holy. We will be holy when we come into his presence, that this God and this king is holy. That's the one thing we know through all of this. Our God is holy. Our king is holy. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. That's my God. I love that old rendition uh, that, that uh, I've done it before. It's a, uh, I, I can't think of the name of the guy right offhand, but it's, it's that's my God. And he talks about all the holy attributes of God. Do you know him? 
I'm telling you tonight, we, we are in the presence of a holy God. We're seeing an outpouring of God's Spirit upon this earth. It's going to increase. We're, those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who continue to seek His presence are going to find Him in a real way. What are you going to do with that? Holier than thou. God, God is the holy. He, he is everything about the, the, the word holy. We have to stand in honor of that. We've got to continue to pursue that holiness because he called us out to it. Do what we can to live a life in his presence, holy, away from sin, separated from this world. We are in this world, but we're just foreigners here. We're just passing through because our destination is heavenly places. Our eternal destination is with him in glory. But we've got to process through this earth first. And we're going to be tested and we're going to be tried. There's going to be trials. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be struggles. But to he who overcomes, the seven letters to the seven churches of Revelation, right there in chapter 2, to he who overcomes, every seven letters ends the same way, to he who overcomes, to he who endures till the end. That's my goal. How about you? Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on a Wednesday. We, uh, we're we're going to move on from here. I'm not exactly sure where we're going to go. We've been on this Holy Spirit theme for quite some time. I hope you've learned something from this. I, I know I have. I know it's challenged me in ways that I needed challenged. And I'm going to try to continue in this realm because I, I love the, the, the teaching of the Holy Spirit in this fashion. I know I'm not going deep. I know I'm not getting theological. Theological. Let me get that word right. It's a hard word for me, but but I, I want to make it as simple as I can, but yet as, as so full of Scripture that there's no reason to doubt what's being spoken here. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for your support. Thank you for following along with us. Thank you for praying for us. Please continue to do so. All of our giving links are available. We've got our all of our duck call drives going on. We're about two-thirds there on our duck call drive now, but we need to finish. I want to get those ordered uh, so that we've got them ready to go. Amen. God bless you. Ron and I love you. We will talk to you again real soon.